Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us in our series, Easter, The Jesus Way. Jesus is our ultimate example for how we should live our lives. In this series, we are looking at Jesus' ministry, from His calling to His victory over the grave. We are walking alongside His journey to the cross, to His death and burial, and then to His resurrection. Each week, we will be deep diving into chapters 15 through 21 of the Gospel of John, leading us all the way to celebrate Christ's victory over the grave on Easter Sunday. Now let's tune in. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. And what a great time to come and worship our great God. And today we come to the conclusion of a really great series. We've been in this series called The Jesus Way, The Jesus Way. And we've been talking about that. How do we live the Jesus Way? Because the world's always calling to us, man. The world's saying, live this way. And yet Jesus is inviting us to so much more. And last Sunday was so incredible, right? Easter Sunday and so many people accepting Christ and making decisions for Jesus and committing to be baptized. I just loved it. It was so exciting. But Jesus calls us to live that way every day, right? Because of the resurrection, every day is Easter Sunday, right? Because Jesus is alive and our lives have been forever changed. And I am so grateful and so thankful for all God does in our lives. Now, here's a question this morning. Have you ever been lost have you ever been lost? Maybe you were driving along and, you know, your GPS went out or something and you're like, okay, where am I? You know, or maybe you were walking or maybe you remember being a kid and you got lost. Uh, well, I remember Lisa and I, when we went on our honeymoon and we were, you know, going to go on this hike and it was supposed to be like a kind of a strenuous hike and we thought, oh, well, we're ready. We could do it. We've been working out. We're in good shape. We just got married. We're like, let's go, right? We're doing all that. And so it was like this four-mile hike and I, and I remember we were doing this four-mile hike, and about three miles into the hike, I'm kind of going, where are we? Okay, like, I'm like, I think we're lost. I don't know. Our cell phones weren't working. I could figure my way back, but we were trying to find this waterfall that was supposedly out there, and we were like, and we were, you know, it's like a few hours now into this hike, and we're out there, and I'm thinking, what are we going to do? And in my head, I'm like, wow, great husband, right? I'm leading out into the jungle, don't know where the waterfall is, and we're staying out there. And there's this moment, right? If you're lost, there's this moment of like, uh, I don't have a clue. Like, I'm out of ideas. I'm out of like options here. And, and so I was standing there in that moment kind of thinking what to do. And by the grace of God, these people came by and they were like, we we're like, hey, 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 the trail kind of, we got off it. It's not really marked. And they were like, yeah, 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 it's this way. It's this way. Come follow us. We live here. We do this hike all the time. We're like, 
Thank you, Lord. And so we made it to the waterfall. It was great. We met some other people who had snacks because we were really hungry at that time. And that was really helpful. Granola bar. Thank you, Lord. And so, but it took us eight hours, like eight hour round trip hike over rocks and everything else. But I was so thankful to those people who said, hey, look, it's this way. And you know, when you read the Gospels, Jesus, the whole purpose he came, right? It says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, Jesus goes, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the whole reason. And every one of us have been lost spiritually. And by God's grace, that's why we celebrated Good Friday and Easter, right? Jesus showed us the way to eternal life. But there's also times in our lives when we get lost, not just physically or spiritually, but sometimes relationally. Sometimes we're like, man, what do I do in this relationship? How do I handle this with my kids? How do I handle this with my spouse? How do I handle this with my friends? You know, what do I do? I just feel lost, right? Or maybe emotionally. You know, all of us, we've been up and down, man. Lately, it's just like, what is going on? We can sometimes feel lost there. And the beautiful part of what Jesus has done, I've come to seek it to save that which was lost. I've come to show you the way, not just for eternity, but for now. I think about the disciples. The disciples after Jesus' resurrection on Easter, they're so fired up. They're so excited. And then a few days pass, and they're kind of like, okay, what now? <laughs> what do you want us to do? What are we supposed to do? And they have this moment of like, where am I to go? Jesus, you're alive. And, and I know I have eternal life in heaven, but what does that mean for today? And then they remembered Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. Trust me. Follow me, and I will provide for you. And I pray that's what we see today. Hey, if you've got a Bible with you today, I invite you with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Last week we were in John 20, the resurrection, but John doesn't end there, right? There is one more chapter, 21. And I am so thankful there's one more chapter. Because this is an incredible chapter for all of us. So if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. I know we ran out last week, so way to go. Church, like people are taking Bibles and giving them to friends, and we've replenished. So if you need a Bible, they're there for you. Or if you've got a, a mobile device, man, you can access the scriptures on our app. We've got the Rolling Hills app. You can pull that up, and I want you to see that today. But as we dive into God's Word, but John, we've been in this incredible series, right? Walking through the Gospel of John. We went in John 15, where Jesus said, remain. You're going to go through some struggles. John 16, he said, listen, I've overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but I've overcome it, right? John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays for us. He prays for all those who will believe on his name. And then we saw in John 18, where Jesus is arrested. And we saw where Peter denied Jesus three times denied him. Judas betrays him. I mean, his best friend stabbing him in the back, right? And then John 19, where Jesus dies on a cross for your sins and for my sins, pays our price. He's put in the tomb in John 19. We said John 19 is not the end. John chapter 20 is coming. And in John chapter 20, we saw the resurrection. Jesus conquered death and made a way for you and me Jesus appeared to his disciples. He showed them, look, I'm alive, right? And they're rejoicing. He even appeared to Thomas, who was doubting. And then we left off in John chapter 20. And now we pick up in John chapter 21. It's been about 10 days. The disciples have gone back to Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. Remember, they were fishermen. They're kind of back up there. They're trying. They're going back their old life. They're trying to kind of figure out what God wants them to do now that the resurrection has happened. And then you get this beautiful beautiful scene that unfolds here in John 
chapter 21. I was reading the other day about um, this six-year-old girl. And this six-year-old girl was in class and she was drawing a picture. And the teacher walked by and said, uh, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. The teacher was like, wow, that's impressive. Um, but you know, nobody knows what God looks like. Little girl keeps drawing, and she looks up, and she goes, they will now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just thought, that's great, right? They will now, right? You know, I think John 21 is like that. A lot of people have this image of God. They have this image of Jesus. And then you come to John 21, it's like God goes, they will now. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He shows us what God is like. He shows us the heart of God. And that's what you see right here. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Jesus took the initiative. Notice that. Jesus was the one who made the first move. Jesus comes to them. He, it says, by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's John and James, the one who wrote the Gospel of John, right? That's these two guys, the sons of Zebedee. It says, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Simon Peter, he was a leader, right? But he's like, hey, let's guys, let's go back to the old thing. Let's go back fishing. We're good at fishing. Let's go to fish. And they said, hey, let's go too. So they went out and they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now at the Sea of Galilee, you fish at night, right? And so the next day you bring your fish, they're fresh, you take them to market, you're ready to go. Well, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. So you can imagine, the sun's just coming up, they see the silhouette over there, and he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Like, thanks a lot, buddy. Been out here all night, you know. <laughs> no, they answered. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Okay, the fishing boats back then were not real big. All right, I gotta tell you, when we do a biblical study tour, we go to, Israel, if you want to go one day, we'll go in October of 24. It's amazing. But we stay in a kibbutz on the Sea of Galilee for a part of the trip. And we're there at this kibbutz called Nof Ginnasor. And, and at Nof Ginnasor, they have an actual boat that they've uncovered that was discovered 2,000 years ago. So you can see an actual fishing boat. And the actual fishing boat is not that wide. I mean, you're talking maybe seven to eight feet wide. And so Jesus is like, Throw the nets on the other side. They're like, from here to here? Really? Like, come on. You, you gotta be kidding me, right? I mean, like seven feet. But when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. Okay, John, you know, in humility, it's like, hey, I'm just gonna call myself the disciple Jesus loved. But I love that about him. And I hope we can refer to ourselves like that. Jesus loves me. He really does. The disciple whom Jesus loved, he said to Peter, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped in the water. Don't you love Peter? I mean, he's just like, well, if that's the Lord, I'm going. I wanna be with him. I'm not waiting for this boat. He just dives in the water, man. He just starts swimming. He's so excited. He's getting there, right? Well, the other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. How cool is that? 
They get to the shore, and Jesus is like, I already got breakfast, guys. Come on over. Can you imagine how good that breakfast was? <laughs> I mean, he's got the fire going. He's got the fish. He's got the bread. I mean, you talk about a cool, intimate moment right there on the shore. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. You know, some of those fish that you just got right there. Just... So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. So it tells us 153 fish. That's a lot of fish, right? But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So Jesus in his resurrected body coming there, having this breakfast on the shore. They're all gathered around. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Can you imagine? Peter's like, come on. Right here in front of everybody. But you know, like, uh, yes, yes. He said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now, he also said, Peter, when you're old. So Peter's young at this time, so Peter knows I've got a long life ahead. But, but every one of the disciples ended up giving up their lives for Jesus. Everyone was martyred for their faith, except John. John died in exile on the island of Patmos. But Jesus is like, I know you love me. I know you're going to be living your life for me. I know there's going to be great things, and you're going to have a long life. You're going to be older. Well, Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about, what about John? What about him? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die but Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And this is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down, and we know that his testimony is true. And then the last verse right here, I love this, right here in the Gospel of John. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. How cool is that? I mean, don't you know these disciples saw Jesus do these miracles, do all kinds of things? They're just like, there is so much. There is so much you are going to learn. There's so much that I would just love to tell you. One day we're going to find out it all, right, when we're in heaven. But man, for right now, there's so much we can learn from what God has taught us right here today. Hey, if you are taking notes today, I'd love for you to pull out a worship guide. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app. It's just a great way to write some things down. I saw the other day a statistic that said you remember about 10% of what you hear. 
But if you write it down, you remember about 50%. So whether you take notes in your Bible, whether you have a place to write down or take mental notes, just anything where you're engaging more of the senses, it just helps us to remember. So here's some things I want you to get on the Jesus way. One, Jesus does miracles. Never forget that. Guys, we serve a miracle-working God who is alive and active today. Hey, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. He doesn't just do little miracles. I mean, like he does big miracles, like big things. See, the world's way is to see coincidences. But the Jesus way is to see God incidences. When you start walking with Jesus, you start to see God moving and working all the time. And I love that. As soon as, I mean, they go from this side of the boat to seven feet over to this side, and there's all these fish, and John goes, it's the Lord. That was his immediate response. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Hey, as disciples, we get to this point where we all of a sudden recognize, that's God. God protect me. God providing for me. God looking out for me, God blessing somebody, God moving, helping our kids to see that. Go, you know what? God's providing for us. God's protecting you. God's taking over. God's in your life and in your heart. When we start to see those things, it's amazing. You know, you look and it says 153 fish. And a lot of people get caught up in numerology. They try to go through the Bible and analyze, you know, every, you know, like 144,000. Is that it? Is that right? Uh, that's completion. Hold on. You know, but everybody gets into I just think it meant it was the biggest catch they ever got. That's what I think. They were like, never, like, you wouldn't believe it. It's the biggest catch we ever had, 153 fish. And they were like, let's write it down. And, you know, because you just see God do these things in your life. And I bet if you're honest, you look back over your life, and you would go, I can't even believe where I am today. God has provided for me. God's taken care of me. God's done things all along the way to put me here. There's times that he protected me. I mean, whether it was a wreck or whether it was an illness or whether it was something in my life, there's times that he provided for me. There's times that I prayed. I didn't know I was gonna make it through this test and I thought I was gonna fail and all of a sudden now I graduated. I don't know how that happened, but here I am. And you know, you just got all these things and you start to see God incidences in your life. And as a disciple, if we start walking around and just going, well, look, God's at work, God's at work, God's at work. That's what you see. Look, Jesus invites his disciples to be involved in the miracles. See, I love this, right? He is sovereign God. He really doesn't need us, okay? I mean, like, let's just get that fact on the table. I mean, Jesus could have said, hey, guys, you haven't caught any fish? Watch this. And fish just start jumping in the boat. You know, <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. And they start raining down from heaven. Here they come. But he goes, no, you guys take your net and put it over here, right? You get involved. I'm gonna provide the fish, but I want you involved in that. It's the same way as salvation, Right? God is sovereign, but God's drawing people to himself, and he's going, hey, you share Christ. You invite people to church. You encourage somebody. You bless. Have there been times in your life, I know there have, when God just puts somebody on your heart, and you're like, man, I haven't talked to them in a while. Why, why are they in my heart? Why are they in my mind? What is that? And then you reach out to them, and they're like, wow, I, I can't believe you called. I can't believe you texted, because you wouldn't believe what's going on. I'm like, yeah, I had no clue either, but God put you on my mind. And I just wanted to step out. I wanted to reach out. That's how God involves his disciples. That's what God's doing. God's always working. And God's just going, hey, just join in. Just join in. See, with Jesus, there's always hope, right? With Jesus, there's always hope. And so whatever you're facing, whether you feel lost spiritually, whether you feel lost emotionally, whether you feel lost relationally, there's always hope. 
But the same is true for everybody else out there, right? There's hope because God's in this world. I mean, without Jesus, I mean, this world is going off a cliff, right? I mean, there is just like sin and death and decay. The only reason there's good in this world, a lot of times we, we ask this question, we're like, well, why do bad things happen to good people? And then we realize, well, nobody's good in and of themselves. I mean, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The question is, why is there good in the world? Why do good things happen? It's by the grace of God. <laughs> it's by the grace of God. So we just have the opportunity to point people to Jesus. We have the opportunity to share Christ. We have the opportunity to say, it's the Lord. <laughs> it's the Lord. And to point that out for God's glory. Look, join Jesus in what he's doing. And in your life and in my life, when we see God working, we just kind of jump in. When we see God working, we just fan that into flame. God, how can I be used? Hey, I want to compliment you, church. You're amazing. I mean, I love our church anyway, but, but last week for Easter, uh, we had the most people we've ever had at Rolling Hills. I mean, it was just packed. It was crazy. It was awesome. It was so exciting and so many decisions for Christ, but it took all of you. It took every one of us. And I met people last week who this was their first time ever into a church. And they go, oh yeah, my friend invited. I've never been to a church before. I go, what'd you think? Well, it was awesome. I loved it. I'm like, hey, we have it every day, you know, every week, right here. You know, it's like, come on. Yeah, it's, it's just people, you invited people. You jumped in and people came on Saturday night, you know. Uh, I love Mike and Kay Minter. They're amazing. In our church, he's one of our teaching pastors. He's 76 uh, years old. Uh, he is awesome. And they served on Saturday night. He leads prime time, right, with our experienced adults. But he served on Saturday night with the four-year-olds. And he said, Jeff, I was with the four-year-olds. There were 28 of them. They were everywhere. They were all over the place. I couldn't even get the motions of the songs, but it was awesome. We had a great day. And I loved it. I was just like, thank you, Mike and Kay. They were amazing. They just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And I just am so proud of them and so thankful for them. The way they loved Jesus. And it was everybody. People in the parking lot, people greeting, people ushers. That's the church being the church. That's us coming together. And that's what the disciples were doing back then. God was working. You know, and I think about that. I think that Jesus told him like, hey, go get some of the fish I just gave you and, and bring it over here. I've already got fish going, but just go get some of that. Because when you think about it in our lives, everything we have comes from God. And so when you go to the boat, you're just kind of grabbing some of the things that you just bring your gifts, your talents, your abilities, resources. We put it all together and all of a sudden you're seeing lives being changed. You're seeing lives being changed. You know, I love that. Uh, last week, we had the Easter jam and had the helicopter, which, you know, Williamson County Sheriff's Department gave us for free, and they dropped 30,000 eggs out, right? And all these kids, they would just be like, it was awesome. There was a helicopter. You're creating those lifetime memories. It's just fun as a church. But you get to join Jesus in what he's doing. Look, Jesus gives grace. Jesus does miracles. Jesus gives grace. And this is powerful. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, I don't think he was saying, do you love me more than these disciples? I think he was looking over at the fish and the nets. And he's like, this was your old life. And it's okay to go fishing, but it was your identity in that. I'm Peter the fisherman, right? Do you have a new identity? Do you know that you are a child of God? Do you know that you're redeemed? Do you know that you're restored? See, here's the thing, right? The world's way would be to cancel Peter. We live in a cancel culture, man. You know, Peter messed up. Peter denied Jesus three times. Not just once. I mean, three times. I mean, that's pretty hardcore. 
Jesus in his deepest hour of need. He's betrayed by Judas. He's denied by one of his closest friends three times. Never knew him. Never been around him, Peter's saying about Jesus. And the world will cancel him, but Jesus reinstates him. He says, Peter, I'm not finished with you. Peter, I love you. Jesus asked Peter three times to correspond to Peter's three denials of Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And in that time, he's being forgiven. In that time, in this beautiful, tender moment, as Jesus is just with him right here, it's okay, Peter. I'm reinstating you. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose for you, right? Maybe you deny me. That's okay. I'm forgiving you. I'm forgiving you. See, our repentance should be as loud as our salvation. You know, when you're saved, when you realize your need for God, that you were spiritually lost, and you realize that Jesus, that's why he came, so that you could have eternal life with God, right? You are so excited. I remember being a kid, I was so excited. I was just like, wanted to tell everybody. I remember my baptism. It was awesome. I mean, salvation is awesome. But repentance also ought to be like that for us. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to mess up. But the Bible says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. See, what could have happened for Peter, and I think this is where he was lost, he had that shame and that guilt. Yes, he saw a resurrected Jesus, but he didn't really confess. I denied you three times. He's just like, yay, Jesus is alive, and I've got eternity, but, but I'm still stuck in the shame and the guilt of what I did. He still was hearting in his heart. And you know what happens when you live in that shame and that guilt? It just eats you alive from the inside out. It's always there. And Jesus knew it. And Jesus is like, Peter, let's just get it out. Let me just redeem you right here. Let me restore you right here. And in that moment, his life was forever changed. You know, I think of the Old Testament about a guy named David. David, who was one of the greatest kings, right? And God had blessed him over and over and over again. He was the king of Israel. And God had given him so much, all these victories, and now he had all this wealth, and he was, he was living in a palace. And he's just like, I went from a shepherd boy. Now, King God did so much, but then what happened? He drifted from God. He took his eyes off God, and he put it on women, especially one named Bathsheba. And he says, who is that? The servant's like, that's Uriah's wife. I'll go get her. What? And the sin the shame. And then he has Uriah killed, one of his really good friends, to cover up the whole sin. And then inside, it's just eating at him, eating at him. And back then, I mean, you were a king, you could have gotten away with that, right? That's what the other kings did. That was the world's way. That's what you did. Didn't matter. But no, it mattered to God. And integrity mattered to God. And God came to David, sent Nathan the prophet. David, you're the man. God knows your heart. And in that moment, David could have said, hey, Take Nathan out and kill him. I don't care. I'm gonna live like this. But he didn't. He broke down and he humbled himself. He said, I am. I'm the one. I messed up. I blew it. I'm so sorry. And he repented in that moment. He repented. Now, there were still consequences for that sin, right? Some things happened after that. But you know, at the end of David's life, he was called a man after God's heart. Every one of us have made mistakes. Every one of us have messed up. But you don't let that define you. You let Jesus define you. You let God's grace define you. You let God's mercy define you. Because God's not finished with you. And God loves you. And listen, as Christ followers, we should always err on the side of grace. You know, when it comes to others, 
Sometimes we hold them to the world standards, right? We can just cancel people real quick. But as Christ followers, we have this call to love. We have this call to offer grace. We have this call to forgive. And maybe that's your spouse or child or friend or a roommate or a classmate, maybe somebody at work. And you just go, man, I just want you to know I love you. I forgive you. Look at this one. Jesus points out purpose. Jesus points out purpose. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. <laughs> You've got a new purpose. The world's way is to live for yourself. But the Jesus way is to live for God. The world's way is just live for yourself. You know, amass as much stuff as I can and get as much money and success. It's all about me, 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 me. And God's way is like, no, 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 no. You live for me. <laughs> you love me. You love others. You bless people. See, as Christ followers, we have a new purpose. The great commandment and the great commission. Right? As Christ followers, you have a new purpose in your life when you are in Jesus. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Right? Peter, do you love me? So are you growing in your love for God? Not that we're there yet. Not that we're perfect. Right? But am I growing? Do I want to spend time with God? Am I... Loving being at church. Am I loving being in God's word? And I'm just starting to learn. I'm growing. Am I starting to pray? Am I die? spending more time? Am I growing in that love? That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. We have a new purpose. But also the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? Living on mission. Living on purpose. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them by everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Guys, it's not complicated. <laughs> Those AT&T commercials, right? I kind of like that because I think we do that with the gospel so many times. We're like, ah, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And God's going, ah, it's this. I love you so much. I sent my son. He died for you. You can have eternal life. But listen, it's not just in heaven. It's now. <laughs> That eternal life begins now. That you live the Jesus way. That you live your life on mission for me. And when we do that, we see God do miracles. When we do that, we see lives being changed. So in our life, man, it takes us being intentional and living your life on purpose. Peter, feed my lambs. Raise up the next generation. Peter, take care of my sheep, right? Be involved in church and raise disciples. Peter, right, feed my sheep. I've taught you, I've poured into you for three years. You pour into others. You teach them what I've taught you. Peter, I've got a purpose for your life. Disciples, I've got a purpose for your life. Disciples, I've got a purpose for your life. You know, you think about this. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. Many of us have been walking with Jesus for a lot longer, right? But for us, we have this opportunity. Am I gonna live on purpose? Am I gonna live intentionally? You know, I'm a dad. I have three uh, amazing daughters. I love them so much. They are awesome. And uh, I'm just so proud of them. So we've got a middle schooler, we've got a high schooler, and we've got one in college. So we, we're kind of spanning all the uh, schools in here, and, and it's great. But my kids have grown up here at Rolling Hills. Uh, they've grown up in this church. Many of you have taught them. Many of you have taught them in family ministry. They've been at the Rolling Hills Learning Center. Then they've been, you know, in children's ministry. They've been in student ministry. And it's so fun to watch them living out their faith and, and loving people. And they're far from perfect. None of us are. I'm so far from that. But I just get encouraged as I just see them going, hey, I'm a student. 
I don't have to wait till I'm adult to make a difference. I can be making a difference right here. And I think God's got his hand on this next generation. I think God's gonna do some amazing things with your kids, with our kids here at Rolling Hills. But Mabry, my middle daughter, she had the opportunity at school one day and she met a friend who had just moved here recently and uh, she got to be really good friends with her and she's an amazing girl. And I want you to hear a little bit of their story and her family's story. So watch this. Hi, I'm Karen Leonard. And I'm Terry Leonard. We lived in New York our entire lives, born and raised, and moved here two years ago. Hi, my name is Mabry Simmons, and this is my friend Haley Leonard. I moved in from Long Island, New York to Page Middle School, and it was a really big adjustment, but it was one of the best ones I've made. Our story of moving from Long Island is that we took a cross-country trip because of COVID and the closing of schools, and what ended up happening is we found Tennessee. Moving in, especially from another state, can be super hard. And at our church, we had this event called Color Clash, which is like a Unite where all the campuses came together for a big event. And she sat behind me in class. And so I was like, I should invite Haley because I know that she might have a hard time like finding friends, especially since she had just moved here. So I invited her and thankfully she said yes. And at the end, they did a drawing for everyone that was new for a free camp. and. Her name got drawn and we were just like so happy and it was so exciting. It was like really mixed emotions of like, I'm excited to go to the beach and stuff. But I don't really know a whole lot of people. But when I got there, I met a bunch of different people who were really nice and they were really inclusive and realizing that God like really loves you individually. And it was all about developing your relationship with God and how he wants relationship with each and every one of us. It started with a simple invitation to an activity and looking at the girls today, their love for each other and Haley's relationship with God and the church has just blossomed beautifully. Being at church like every Sunday and Wednesday and just throughout, um, we've become like super close and now we're like really good friends. Throughout the past couple of years that we've been at Rolling Hills, I really enjoyed getting to know God and relationships and wanting to build my own relationship, but it was really hard to actually commit to it. And so I brought it up and I started talking about it more and I decided that I wanted to and it came to the question of who do you want to baptize you? And I was like, wait, that can be one of my best friends who brought me to know Jesus and God and I decided I wanted Mavery to be the one to baptize me and help me move along in my journey with God. The simple invitation by Mavery to invite Haley to the color run really changed the trajectory of our family. It's brought our children into learning about God. It has uh, brought Karen and I closer to God as well. I think closer to each other as well. So you never know a simple invitation where that can lead and impact not just Mabry and Haley, but Mabry, Haley, my two boys, Karen and I, and then everybody else that we've talked to that we've invited to come to Rolling Hills as well. amazing and uh, Haley is just this great girl and so you never know I mean and you know maybe gets this incredible friend out of the whole thing and the Leonard's are just such a big part of our church and we love them and love their family 
And, and just so many times, as disciples, we, we can get off and, and, and focused on us, but when we just open our eyes and look around, God's already at work. God's already at work. And God wants to use us. Look, let this. Jesus becomes our passion. The Jesus way means Jesus becomes our passion. Our passion. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Right? Jesus goes, look, look at you. Right? Peter's looking about John. What about John? What's going to happen to him? Right? And he's like, no, no, no. You follow me. You follow me. See, the world's way is to compare yourself to others. But the Jesus way is only him. And we've all fallen in this trap, right? We get on Instagram, and you're always just scrolling. You're like, well, why did they get this card? Why are they going on this vacation? Why are they doing this, right? Yeah. What about me, God? You know, and the guy's going, time out. Look at what I'm doing in your life. Hold on. Why are you spending all your time comparing yourself to everybody else? Stop. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. I've blessed you. I'm with you. I am for you. Live for me. Follow me. See, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. When we focus on the world's way, what happens? We just kind of drift along. But when we focus on Jesus, it changes everything. If you go back in John chapter 6, in John chapter 6, there's a verse, John chapter 6, verse 66. So you talk about numerology. A lot of people get caught up. 666, oh, what about that verse? But it is kind of crazy that that verse does say this. It says at that point, right, and Jesus has rock star status at that point. Crowds are coming all over and it says at that point, John 6, 6, 6 says, many turned around and followed him no more. And Jesus looked at his disciples, he looked at the 12, and he said, well, what about you guys? Do you want to leave me too? And Peter, I love Peter, Peter at that time, he goes, where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. Where are we going to go? We want to follow you. We want to focus on you. We want to learn from you. We want to grow in you. And I think about those guys who, who left, the people who left, and you're going, what, did you, what happened to you? You missed it. You missed what God was going to do. You missed the miracles. You missed the resurrection. You missed the church growing. You missed the life change. Don't miss it. Don't run off at the world. Trust God. God's got a bigger plan, a bigger purpose. Look, be who Jesus created you to be. He called you to be a disciple. He loves you with an everlasting love. You fulfill that potential in you. You become who God created you to be. The gifts, the talents, the abilities. You don't have to worry about everybody else. You focus on the Lord and what he's doing in your life. To live your best life, live the Jesus way. Live the Jesus way. You know, I think about Judas and Peter. They were both disciples. They both followed Jesus for three years. They were both there at the Last Supper. But then Judas took off and sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Right? He thought it was going to be money. He thought it was success. He thought it was the way of the world, right? And then he realized he was broken. And he took the money and he threw it back in. But instead of repenting, instead of stopping, he could have repented right then. He could have come back, but he didn't. He ends up taking his own life. But Peter who denied Jesus three times, stays, holds on, even in his hurt, even in his pain, and then he meets Jesus. He's redeemed, he's restored, and he goes on to become a leader in the church, in the early church, the church starts to grow. Peter's the one that stands up at Pentecost, right, and preaches, and 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. Peter's the one that just sees God do miracles, and the joy and the peace that he experienced, it was unbelievable. God used him to impact the entire world.
God's not finished with us. But whatever's going on in your life, focus on Jesus. Make that commitment to live the Jesus way, to follow him. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that shore. I want you to imagine right now that there's a fire going. (laughs) That Jesus is there. There's some bread, there's some fish. And now think about you. (laughs) You being right there. What's Jesus saying to you today? Maybe he says, do you love me? More than these, more than anything else. Not that you're perfect, but are you growing in your love? Maybe he says, hey, today is salvation. You were lost, but today you're found. You want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Savior of your heart. Maybe today he's calling you to be baptized or to get involved, to take a next step in your faith journey. Maybe today there's an area you need to confess. It's been eating at you for years. And you just think, man, nobody knows, but but God knows. And God cares enough to come to you and say, hey, you don't have to live. You don't have to be angry all the time and bitter or mad all the time. I want to heal you. I want to redeem you. I want to restore you. Or maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. This tender moment. This is who God is. A personal God who comes to us through His one and only Son who loves us with an everlasting love, who loves you personally. And who has a plan for you, a purpose for your life, to be lived for the glory of God. So, Father, here we are, your disciples. You're not finished with any of us. It's not just John chapter 20. There's John chapter 21. God, you've got more for our lives. And so, Lord, let us find our worth and our value in you. Let us find our identity in you. Let us fall in love with you, oh God. Let us grow deeper in your word and more faithful, Father, in building your church. Let us make a difference, God. Let us err on the side of grace and offer love to those around us just as you've offered love to us. Let us give out of what you've given us. So thank you for your presence this morning and thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And we want to respond back to you in worship right here, right now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with someone in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.